Hello. Good evening from Edinburgh. It's six degrees outside. And today I'm joined by Vishnu Menon from Bangalore. Hello, Vishnu. Hello. Hello, hello. It's, I don't know, I think it's 23 or 24 in Bangalore, but it's, uh, it's just hot as hell. It might as well be 45. All that's missing are, are camels. And it'll be Rajasthan. Uh, first, I think we should start by apologizing to our audience for being out for a, for a month. And But since we are still in January, perhaps we could still say Happy New Year. And uh, we have a lot of things planned for this year. And first of that is political ideologies. That's what this episode is about. Um, it's a rather difficult topic to discuss, isn't it? It it is because I think we don't know where to begin. It is. It's also because uh, a lot of people aren't necessarily in touch about what what political ideology is. The old liberals apparently are now the conservatives and so on and so forth. People don't really understand what is going on. Uh, they don't seem to really know where to place themselves. Or uh, actually, we stumbled upon this topic very interestingly <coughs> when we were going through this dating website called Hinge, and then we saw a lot of we saw a category that says uh, political. Uh, preference and then people randomly if if nothing came to their mind they'll put liberal they have no idea what it means like they i don't even think they're liberal probably but uh they just go with w- calling whatever is in uh so yeah i think it's a it's a very complex topic and also i think i i remember there was this ideology that's forming up now around this uh pop singer called yeah, Taylor Swift. yeah that's some nonsense <laughs> It's, it's called Swifty. It's called being a Swifty, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You don't know whether it's a, it, probably it's a nonsense now, it's but a, you know, it's, it's, it might not be a nonsense in 10 years time. I mean, because a decade ago, um, probably, um, you would get away with saying that you are a man or a woman or calling somebody a man or woman. It's quite hard these days. But anyway, that's not the point. I think the point is we certainly are feeling a bit confused about the ideologies, both the old ones and the new ones. So it's like how Bible has been rewritten. <laughs> Perhaps there are n- new ideologies sprouting, emerging um, from the depths of despair. Yeah, by the, current by the way, just to add, uh, j- just to add that, uh, you know, when I heard that Swifty thing, right, I was on, um, I mean, I should have known it's all downhill when I asked the girl what her ideology was and she told she's Swifty. I, I, I actually really thought she meant to say that she's quick, that she's very swift. You know, like, like that's, there are only two things that I could make up with. Either she's a very quick person, which meant she's very quick in her dating, or she likes the Maruti Suzuki Swift. Like, there's only those two that were possibly thought of until she opened up to say it was Taylor Swift. And no. Vinod knew it a lot better than I did. I was, that was even more of a shock for me. That, uh, Oh, I live yeah, in a different level, country. Different, different, different circumstances in a country. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so as I, as I was saying, we, we uh, thought of exploring this and um, it's not going to be Swifty. It's probably might be a bit boring. Um, so uh, this, this is a researched episode as in there might be a lot of uh, dates and years and names that we'll be uh, throwing at you. Uh, anyway... <clears throat> So where to begin again, what to say, what not to utter, uh, all these epoch-defining events, immortal personalities, everlasting influence, 
you know, in the modern world. Yeah. Originally, we had planned this topic under dumb it down to me series, <laughs> like like the economics and electricity one. But uh, that would have been naively dumb of us uh, to do that. Uh, such is the fatality of this topic. It's like a life fish, isn't it? The harder you try to grasp it, the farther it farther it escapes escapes. Well, at, at any rate, an optimistic attempt is essential. Hence, welcome to Hitchens Razor. In this episode, we discuss political ideologies. The terminologies, liberalism, conservatism, left, right, fascism, socialism, communism, libertarianism, nationalism, left of center, right of center. And yet, here we are. One has to wonder how this has managed to remain relevant uh, to the modern world, along with the new and upcoming ideologies. Now, as I said, our attempt to be pragmatic in this episode, uh, to say, I mean, to rather talk about the juicy events of the past than to be tediously academic with textbook terminologies, wouldn't mean that this episode would be bereft of boredom. Uh, in fact, such a statement would be euphemistic to a fool servant on a Mobius trip. Such is the fatality of this topic. And if you are not bored already, let's begin by traveling back to a time when the word ideology did not exist. Am I am I allowed to do another monologue, Vishnu? No, not really. Also, when Vinod said juicy events, he meant J-U-I-C-Y, not J-E-W-S-E-Y. Like, <laughs> go on, go on with your monologue, please. Uh, cut, cut. I think we'll cut That's that part, sorry. Um, uh, 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 next monologue then. This is the second one. If we are to believe in the contemporary consensus, then life began in the ocean. Uh, some creatures subsequently crawled up to the landmass, the reptiles. They had sex. They laid eggs and abandoned them and moved on to the next honeymoon. Reptile nonchalance is criminally underrated. Then came the birds. They developed wings and feathers to counter the cold. They had intercourse and more eggs were delivered. But unlike reptiles, they started caring about their eggs by keeping them warm under their wings and fuselage. The first act of true selfishness. Well, enter mammals. With the hitherto unknown notion of storing eggs in its, inside its own body. Its own body. They also started the habit of providing protection and nutrition to the offspring. As H.G. Wells put it, the beginning of a true social life. And thus we evolved. Well, again, the point is we evolved as a species from reptiles to birds and to mammals, to hunter-gatherers. Then we had the early civilizations in Egypt, India, Mesopotamia and China. We had the Aryans, the Dravidians, the Panchayat or the village system, the great thinkers, Confuse, Laose and Buddha. We had the Kingdom of Persia, the great Greek period, conquest of Alexander, the Mauryan dynasty, Kautilya and Arthashastra, Hellenistic Greece, Ashoka, Rome, Carthage, Caesar, Pompey, Augustus, Cleopatra, Jesus of Nazareth, Constantinople, Holy Roman Church, the Orthodox Church, Church, Goths, Huns, Vandals, Islam, Charles Main, the Fall of Rome, Chalukyas, Pallavas, Rashtrakutas, Pandyas, Cholas, Ghazni, Genghis Khan, uh, Timur, Dark Ages, Crusades, the Renaissance, Age of Science, Age of Enlightenment, Age of Revolution. 
and that's when the French Revolution happened. 1789, the word ideology was coined by, let me get this name right, Antoine de Tracy. Uh, and ideology meant literally a new science of ideas. From then we had Marx, Nietzsche, Russian Revolution Part 1, World War Part 1, Russian Revolution Part 2, Electricity, the Great Depression, World War Part 2, Electronics, Cold War, Globalization, Internet, Climate Change, Covid, and now Hitchens Razor Podcast. Hopefully that painted a vague timeline of our history. Now we slip on a banana peel and fall into the coming of ideologies. Talking about getting names right of Antoinette, Dissout, Dittrezi, uh, you know, when we, we spoke about Lao Tzu and Confucius, uh, there was this uh, seminar that I was in in Glasgow and there, uh, I, was, I sat next to my Chinese classmate and I was I was trying to discuss with, with him uh, Arthashastra and then Sun Tzu's uh, Art of War. And another classmate sat who was sat right next to him didn't really quite understand what we were talking about because I was saying Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu very repeatedly. And then she said, who's... And, and then the, he, she looks at us in a very strange way. Are you talking about Chinese philosophers? I'm like, yeah. Said, oh, then she looks at him and says, Lao Tzu, Confucius. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> what they're called. Not Confucius and Lao Tzu. It's Lao Tzu. And, and uh, Confucius. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit of Mandarin. For, for all of y'all listeners out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the commonly, uh, probably westernized or yeah, mispronounced is Himalaya. 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 I think if you, Himalaya is, I think it's uh, the, Alem is yes. what the house of Hima, which is, uh, for example, snow. Or whatever. But yeah, yeah and uh, Himalaya is basically <laughs> snow and laya means rutham, so snow rutham. But, but anyway, I think I think uh, the Western perception of it is to have lace wafers and call it Himalayas. Like it's just, <laughs> it, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to them, so it's fine. The, the, at least Himalayas is still fine because the epitomology of the word is still intact. But life of me, I don't understand what is Ganges. You, Ganges you, is you, just like you. You mean. Did you mean etymology when oh, you say epitomology? Epitomology, cut, cut, just paste epitomology in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the epitomology, etymology, etymology. The word is still is still intact, but I, for the life of me, I don't understand Ganges. Right. Um, Gs. It's like, yeah, it's like you know, Ganges. staying alive. Bgs. So. Um, in, anyway, uh, the coming, coming of ideologies, ideologies. Back in to Europe it. Europe, where we, I think, in Europe is where we actually had the roots of modern political ideologies as we know it and as we discuss it. So, in this episode, it's going to be very centered around 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 that uh, this this topic, as opposed to going to prehistoric ideologies. We don't know what was what. Uh, there was a time when politics revolved around religion and religion only. Uh, the ideas of nationality, which is obvious these days would have been a rather queer topic in those days. In far in, in war-infested Europe, it was a very sectarian conflict that was going on. It was Christians pitted against other Christians, and then Christians against Islam, and then Islam against everybody else. 
and as we've progressed into the world we also now see uh, islam coming into a full circle of sectarian wars with each with, with between themselves um, in, in world politics so yes uh, so on to you we know about so before we discuss about this wherever we are right now what actually led to it and can you break that down from from the feudal system and a class war uh, to whatever it's led to right now hmm. because that that's what takes precedence in, yeah. in the new era <laughs> yeah um just to add to that point uh though this is certainly centra- centered around uh europe uh, and the west um as a modern political ideologies that we are discussing we will have a separate episode on india and its its ideologies and its um <coughs> its philosophy uh plus i think the prehistoric era we might touch upon the economics of um ideologies which will we, where we will talk about money um in the prehistoric times uh so uh, but as as political ideologies theory like vishnu said this will be mostly centered around europe and it probably begins with the middle ages where we had what's now called the feudal system um so like vishnu said everything was uh, centered around around religion but also it was centered around war uh, or conflicts or skirmishes battles etc et um so there was war always both internal and external yeah uh, violence and disorder uh, prevailed uh in in western europe and so strong people they seized uh land and power uh, but they were all also under threat uh, from people like themselves living elsewhere so they built strong castles and they had these uh, raiding parties uh both to protect themselves and also to attack other people the peasants who who lived in these lands they were not organized or they were not strong enough to defend themselves so they sold their allegiance to these lords in the castles and paid them uh, what they produced in the fields uh the small lords they served the bigger lords with bigger castles and the bigger lords served the monarch the who had the divine power to rule as it was back then uh, this essentially is the feudal system my friends the church uh and its officials were also part of the system um uh, in fact they owned a uh, large part of lands uh, back then there was no idea of equality or freedom or or liberty uh, in this system it was it was extremely hierarchical uh, and often exploited um the middle ages mostly passed like this with with peasants being miserable and with the feudal system in place there were occasional revolts revolts from the um, peasants but they were cruelly put down uh, by the upper classes now beside these three classes of people there existed a uh, what i i would like to call a floating class um these people included the traders or the artisans or the merchants um they were not part of the feudal system but um but they also had no wealth or influence on an early stage but then the the sea routes were discovered uh which opened up uh um which opened up markets far east and uh, to the west of europe asia and america became accessible so the middle class they were daring and um who were called the bourgeoisie back then they gathered a uh, global wealth uh from the trade that um they had uh, 
using the sea routes and the money fetched them privileges and eventually power so they still the bourgeoisie they still had two classes about about them the nobles and clergy and above the nobles and clergy they had the king or the monarch uh, so when the bourgeoisie gained wealth and power um, for their progress the feudalism or the feudal system was increasingly becoming a hindrance so they disliked the fact that the classes above them got money without work um so uh, there was that rift now with that in mind with in introducing bourgeoisie and the feudal system now we move on to the three great movements that happened at the passing of middle ages the three r's that it's called now uh, quite fondly it's the renaissance the reformation and the revolution the renaissance was about science and learning and uh, new ways of understanding the world apart from theology uh, the reformation was about church and religion specifically christianity and the revolution there were three uh, we'll touch upon all these um we we wouldn't uh, talk much about renaissance um, it's to- sort of the epicenter of ideas and then learning and uh empirical reasoning etc um so one thing that happened during that time was the the advent of printing or paper and so the arabs learned paper making from the chinese and then the europeans learned it from the arabs so towards the end of 15th century paper and printing became common uh this means common people could read uh books uh, themselves and they did not need a priest to tell them what was in the bible so they started seeing through the the lies of a class above them um, so printing had a huge effect on uh, on people's thinking at that time um this is so this is from there we move on this is when when vinod yeah, mentioned sure. lies i don't know if you like so this is to mention that the every institution at after predominant hierarchical uh structures tend to get corrupt and that's what happened to the catholic church and with the reforms we'd also talk about the the, the idea of the separation of the church and the state that eventually came in as well which is which is a very it's a landmark moment in in history for the western world at least so we would be co- covering that part later in the episode but like we know said Ren- the, the only reason why we're not talking about renaissance is because it's it's something that's spoken about very widely and it's had a profound influence not just in politics but also in art and culture and in many ways the modern world that we live in right now so that's the only reason but the other two is 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 not yeah. spoken about widely and and I, I we think that it doesn't get the credit that it's it's due yep yeah i think also uh well completely agreeing to that uh i guess renaissance it's a bit more abstract in terms we could certainly point our fingers uh, to renaissance as one of the reasons why um ideologies began to evolve certainly um but then again it's a bit abstract what's concrete is reformation and the revolution which is what we can see and especially with the revolution all the bloodshed i mean same with the reformation but yeah uh so yeah i'll straight get into uh, reformation which is uh of religion 
So Rome, um, which was the epicenter of Christianity, um, they started heresy hunting, and uh, which means heretics who who were against uh, you know certain beliefs of the church. Uh, they were being hunted literally, and they were being burned alive at stakes. Um, and then women, especially who showed any sort of discontent or uh, you know anything against the church, they were branded as witches, and they were burned at stake. Uh, and I mean, we all are familiar with the fam- infamous, rather, uh, Spanish Inquisition. Um, so uh, that existed. So early in the 16th century, Martin Luther, a Christian priest, uh, after visiting uh, Rome, was disgusted at its corruption and luxury. Um, and he was a leader who protested against the Holy Roman Church. And thus there was this uh, factions formed which was against the Royal Catholic and they called themselves the Protestants. And uh, this Protestant movement, uh, of course, Protestants, it's the major uh, sect in uh, Christianity in the world right now. But this, this movement gathered a pace when young princes and nobles, they, they sided with the Protestants to put sort of an end to all the attempts by the Pope or the Church to dominate over them. So again, for them, it's a selfish reason, and they they joined uh, the Protestant cause. In England, Henry VIII, he favored the Protestants because he wanted to divorce his wife and marry another woman, which the church was against. So he formed uh, the Church of England and established, established himself as the head of the state and also the head of the church. It sounds a little bit, little bit silly now, but it's true, and, you know, don't know perhaps he has read an english translation of the prince by machiavelli and uh, found a way to control people using both the state's power and the church's power italy france austria and spain though deeply catholic at that time germany was sort of half protestant half catholic sort of thing and in all of this the commoners the peasants they didn't have much say in the reformation uh, they were always put down by all factions um, now, the bourgeoisie, which we mentioned, the middle class, they started carrying the Protestantism ahead. Because wherever they were strong, the Protestants were so strong. Um, and uh, so they did see this as a way of change, and especially from this feudal system. But still, they had the problem of uh, uh, the monarch, the divine uh, king, as it's called, um, who was very powerful and autocratic, as it were. So, um, the Reformation was not enough uh, for the bourgeoisie to bring down the two classes above them. They need, they needed um, a revolution. Uh, that's that's also probably because until then the bourgeoisies were the people that were fighting for the other two classes, even if it meant the aristocrat and the nobility versus. Uh, the, the the religious armies and we've also got to pay attention to the fact that as, as much as uh, in in present day the vatican's been cut down to size uh, though it's a it's it's the smallest country in the world it still has its own laws its own own territory its own guard the pope had in the past his own army the papal army was was a very strong force that existed in and the bourgeoisies were never collectively they never identified collectively as a class. So 
they probably were the people doing the fighting for the other two classes and it just becomes a watershed moment here because though the magna carta uh, was there was a document that called for the separation of the church and the state in 1215 it only comes to crystallization around this era in this period so that's a long it's a long wait for an idea to to actually come about right yeah i think in fact that's interesting because um netherlands switzerland and england so obviously we are building up towards the french revolution where where the word ideology was formed and that's the interesting bit but even before the french revolution these three countries that is netherlands switzerland and england they sort of became republic in their own right netherlands had fought a bloody war against the the king of spain at that time um and uh, and again it the people who fought were the merchant class and then they eventually became republic switzerland also fought uh, a war um, and then not a war i think it was more of a diplomatic thing i suppose i i'm not very sure yeah. about that but they also became republic around yeah. this time and england as you know um they had this two uh, the parliament they built the parliament with two houses and the house of lords represented by nobles at the upper and and the merchants and the wealthy middle class in the lower house you know the parliament eventually became stronger than the monarch in the in england and to a point where its king was beheaded um and they took full control but it's it's so curious like people can't live i mean they didn't really think about a life without king this this word republic or nationalism didn't make much sense to them um i think there is this line when john of arc when she mentioned that we shall fight for our motherland or fatherland yep. can't remember and uh, people are like what what are you on about what do you mean fatherland yeah. fatherland doesn't make any sense um, yeah <laughs> and uh, so But, yeah so in england they even beheaded their uh, king and then later it was replaced by a puppet hey, who was who was who was the king you know who was beheaded do you have do you have his name i think it was king james from from scotland, scotland okay. maybe Uh, he he was yeah, he, he was beheaded like the guillotine style or was it like <laughs> was it like a uh, probably not because um, i think um, french revolution happened uh, after that yeah, so yeah. madame guillotine came later i Fair suppose uh, but probably the traditional way so, like so okay or, okay like i'm not sure but anyway it's a cruel yeah. act again but, but it's yeah. also it's also interesting um, I, i'll just deviate slightly but because very interesting what you kind of mentioned that you know people people just couldn't assume what would be the the structure of of government if it wasn't for the king um and many years many years now when like i think it was 2020 or 2021 i was watching this video of a conservative economist called thomas sowell and someone asks thomas sowell uh, thomas sowell he's been a he's he's been a heavy have you know he's been critiquing central banks for the longest time and he says a lot of the crises that that economic crises that happen is because of the central banks that exist and so the interviewer kind of asks him hey what do we do if we you you're calling for the shutting down of central banks what do we do if we shut down central banks and then thomas sowell smiles and he's like uh, if someone's going through a cancerous tumor and they somebody has a cancerous tumor in their body once you cut it off what do you replace it with that's the kind of question you're asking me just do away with the bank and that you don't need anything to do it so 
it's funny how once we've set into the idea that you need an institution above you just yeah. you, you don't really think oh what if this was taken away what happens nothing happens actually if you find a better way to like probably govern yourselves nothing happens but the word institution the institutionalization is so it's so strong it's so undermined in society that we we think that hey what happens if this is taken out nothing you know i might sound a little communist here while i'm telling this but nothing hmm yeah that's i think the same with kings exactly. back then yeah agreed yeah a bit people are against change are and they they don't like to see change yeah. that that quick or they don't like to see more than, change more than change more than change i think it's the fear of just uncertainty like, see we we i think yeah. we remember the fact that change is constant right like even the markets if you see how markets behave it's not the change that bothers them it's the uncertainty that's followed by the change that bothers them like as soon as status quo mm. is removed everything's up in the air they don't know what's going to happen yeah so so it, it, yeah that's true yeah when well, moving on and that i suppose where were we uh, we were at uh, netherlands yes. Yes. and england before the french yes. revolution and we had to talk about this now we have spoken briefly about the reformation of church and how uh, the princes and the nobles uh they sided with the protestants and that become a, a religious movement a theocratic movement and then we have the three revolutions i say three revolutions because i think all, all three happen at the same time or in you know, around the same time one is political revolution in america um by the british colonies or colonists against great britain um which concluded in the formation formation of the current us and a um and uh, this next one is the industrial revolution that began in england that's the coming of the big machine as it's called then the third one the social revolution in france now um uh, i i doubt we are going to talk much about the industrial revolution uh, though it has it i think it comes much later when we would talk about um communism and marxism so that's after um that's after the period when bourgeoisie bourgeoisie were, were against uh, the nobles and the clergy later um the layer below them um, the workers the commoners um, they go against the the owning class the middle class the bourgeoisie so that's the next part of uh, this segment for now we would um try to refrain ourselves from talking about industrial revolution but we'll certainly get back to it the second one is american revolution um which um which it's rather interesting because you know uh, the european countries had expanded to uh, both east and west to ha- to make colonies from for themselves um and uh, america uh, was uh, north america for the britons it was a colony and but there was always war like i said um britain had war with france and spain and what not um so so war is so demanding that it, it exhausts the resources of a kingdom uh, which in turn um the kingdom has to demand it from the masses uh, and there's more suffering associated with it for the british 
the umpteenth war now in britain you have to remember now at this point it is not the kingdom but it's rather the parliament which is the british government um, for them the umpteenth war with france meant uh, the need for more money and uh, obviously they decided to squeeze it out of their colonies the american colonies resisted when the east india company tried to force their tea on their colony um and when i say east india company again it was tightly associated with uh, the parliament which had the wealthy and uh, the merchant class yeah so it's all tightly related so the american colonies resisted when the east india company tried to force their tea on their um, uh, on the land and they boycotted this in in the 18th century end of it and some of the colonists they uh, disguised as um, uh american indians i think they threw the tea overboard from the the cargo ships and which is called the boston tea party um and the famous one they later signed the declaration of independence with the famous cry um, no taxation without representation um and it also said all men are born equal <laughs> except the negroes <laughs> uh, uh so uh that that's that's an american revolution in, in a nutshell um which is a political movement uh we will try to explore a bit more of american revolution in the coming episodes now that's the second of the three revolutions that we want to talk about and the third one the important one uh, for this discussion um where the word ideology was born is the french revolution we oui. and uh, we are going to st- yeah <laughs> we we are going to stop now um uh, this is the first episode of the series and we in the second episode we'll uh, discuss the french revolution uh, thank you okay.